clenched stomachs, fist, knees, toes, calves. Six, seven, eight, nine. Release. <sighs> Let yourself relax. Really enjoy, feel that. Hey, that's great. Welcome to Ununinformed. I'm Sean Seavey. What you're just listening to was a stress-relieving exercise as part of my interview with therapist Carrie Dyer. In a pandemic where everyone's talking about washing your hands and avoiding spreading disease, let's slow down and talk about what therapist Carrie Dyer calls emotional hygiene. Carrie Dyer has transitioned from in-person counseling to now where 100% of her clients are doing telehealth therapy. But I wanted me and all of the ununinformed listeners in on some of that telehealth. Because while the pandemic is causing physical illness on the global scale, I'd say the emotional health impacts seem much more widespread. We'll talk about some of the emotional hygiene tools to navigate this new normal. But after our interview, stick around for a few other voices on navigating this new normal. You'll hear a song from Becky Burr and the Bluegrass Boys. And I'm one of the Bluegrass Boys. This parody quarantine love song you hear in the background right now asks the question, how will we fall in love six feet away? Then we'll hear the elevator pitch from Skylar Bennett who has taken a giant leap with his startup amid pandemic that landed him the chance to be on Shark Tank. Let me start by saying normal men's apparel sucks. But first, let's jump into emotional hygiene. Joining me for the second time on the show is therapist Carrie Dyer. Carrie, welcome back to Ununinformed. So glad to be here. So glad you're here. Now, just to get everybody up to speed, and just to remind me, What's your profession, at least what's your profession pre-pandemic? What did that look like? And we'll get to post-pandemic in a second. Um, so I'm a licensed clinical social worker, which means I do therapy with people. And I still do that, but it's more telehealth therapy right now since we're not close together. So really everything, did everything just shut down overnight with, uh, with your clinic or wherever you go? Yeah. I mean, one day people were coming in and the next day we were saying, this is the new normal. We do this over, over Zoom and, you know, Google Duo and FaceTime and stuff. Is that kind of, where, how, how do you feel about that? <laughs> oh gosh, it's been such a learning curve, but it's been really awesome. It's, I've had some really cool sessions, especially with my teens and kids because they're all of a sudden not at a stranger's office somewhere away you know, they're in their own familiar environment showing me their artwork and their dogs. And, oh, really? Cool. And the couples have to sit really close together to fit on the same screen. And Oh, wow. The, the ones that are, need counseling. So you're actually like forced to. It's <laughs> been really time. interesting. It's I, as much as it's been a challenge, it's also opened up some, I think, some things that wouldn't have been open for those people, for some of those patients before. That's great. Yeah. Uh, amidst probably all the struggles you're going through, there's some great things there. Okay, well, let's jump into something I really enjoyed what we talked about last time. We talked about something called emotional hygiene. And let's just start out with defining that. Go for it. Emotional hygiene is the need 
to care for your emotions, meaning managing all the work that it takes to do the internal work to manage your emotions and regulate your behaviors. And and I and I like how we talked about like comparing it to the hygiene we usually talk to talk about uh, mm-hmm. physical hygiene. Can you kind of just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're taught physical hygiene. We're taught to brush our teeth and get a band aid when we have a boo boo, and but we're not exactly taught emotional hygiene, like what to do when we're sad, and and how to what to do when we're scared. I mean, we're it's yeah, it's just it's a kind of an interesting skill set, and then it, it doesn't come naturally for most of us. Most of us have to learn it. And I've really felt that in this pandemic that. Yes, there are people suffering physically, but more people suffering emotionally. But what we're talking about is the physical, but we're not talking about the emotional. So I just want to tell you, when I decided to start up this podcast again, covering COVID-19 and things like that, I almost, from the beginning, thought I need to have Carrie on the show. That just makes me grin from YouTube. But I I just feel people need this. And I, I really enjoyed the conversation we had last time. Thanks. So Carrie, I I want your perspective on what people are experiencing emotionally during this pandemic. Obviously, I see Facebook posts, I see people stressing about life, but give me your perspective. Let's start by just talking about how our relationship with our emotions matter. A lot of times we have kind of a negative relationship with our emotions where we're upset with them. We want them to go away. We want to control them. We don't want to make space for them. We're literally trying to do the opposite. How can I avoid them at all costs? It is really normal right now to be struggling just a little bit, like just feel off kilter just a little bit, feeling the edge a little harder, having those thoughts, those just random memories pop up a little more frequently, having those negative thoughts pop up more frequently, struggling with sleep, feelings of restlessness, feeling um, just, you know, just not yourself. And I would say that is that is probably everybody right now. The tense muscles, irritability. I mean, my husband and I both have sore backs. I'm remembering embarrassing things I did in college. <laughs> um, our bodies are responding to this uncertainty, to this dread, and um, and and everybody's kind of going through that right now. I think I know what's happening for everybody because I have not had a single conversation with someone that hasn't started with how are you doing during this COVID time and somebody, and like, even if we're not trying to have a conversation about it, all of a sudden we're having a 10 minute conversation about coronavirus, about COVID-19. It is a new normal. And (laughs) we kind of are trying to come to terms with that. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, these anxieties, these feelings, they bring up these feelings and then we quickly turn to how to handle them, you know, our overeating, our binging, substance abuse use is up, you know, irritability in families is up. Uh, we're abandoning our schedule because we're not sleeping normally. We're shopping too much online, <laughs> eating too many sweets. 
I mean, I can't tell you how many people just even on Facebook are like, I'm overspending at Costco or <laughs> people in my zero waste group are like, why can't I stop buying things? I thought I was against consumerism. And it's just because these are really normal, subtle ways that we're being affected emotionally that um, we're just kind of almost unaware of. Um, there's this great um, story that Buddha tells. Yeah. And he tells a story about uh, a soldier who's shot by an arrow during battle. And oh my gosh, it hurt. And that soldier went on to curse his fate for his pain. And he got removed from the battle. Why me? And he struggled mightily with this. And the pain of this inner, inner struggle was like being shot with a second arrow. But this one was self-inflicted. And yeah. um, emotions are like an arrow. They can be uncomfortable. And we call that, that first, that first time he was shot, we could call that like a clean discomfort. It, what shows up is I'm not really sleeping or I find myself wanting to look at the classifieds for five hours today, yeah. or I just can't stop binging this show, or I'm so irritated, irritable with my kids. Um, that would be the first arrow. The second thing that happens is that we beat ourselves up and we struggle with those feelings and those thoughts. And that is what we call dirty discomfort. And because it can lead to unnecessary suffering, the guilt, the hating, the fighting, um, trying to force ourselves to be guilt-free or shame-free or anxiety-free, or if I could just, if I could just get up on time, I wouldn't feel this way. If I could just go back to my running schedule, I wouldn't feel this way. If I could just not worry about this, I would be okay. And and so, well, what can we do about it? How, what can we can act, but what, what can we actually do? There's people feeling hopelessness. So give us a little hope. What can we actually do about the, the stress of the pandemic? It's so interesting. Um, I just read this article about how, how some people feel like their depression and anxiety is going away. And they just, they said it's the effect of the fact that everybody's noticing their own depression and anxiety. Yeah. And I do think that there's a power in acknowledging your thoughts and feelings and kindly responding to what shows up for you. I notice I'm having feelings of anxiety. I notice I'm worried about getting sick. I notice I get teary-eyed thinking about my grandma on a ventilator. I notice I'm having feelings of loneliness. Acknowledging that and normalizing it for yourself. Oh, of course I of course I'm worried about that. I'm a human with a heart. I love my grandma. Of course, of course I am feeling anxious. Things are different than they've ever been in my life. Of course, I'm worried about getting sick. There are so many people that I care about, and I care about myself. Um, so I think the first thing to do is, is acknowledge. And rather than taking a, a path of resistance with our thoughts, because I think sometimes that's our that's our MO with emotions, is I got to get rid of this. I got to handle this. I got to fix it. I got to control it. And it's such... Um, it's such the wrong path to take with a pandemic where you can't control much. You are not an epidemiologist. You're not a doctor. You're not a public health, like most, like, you know, 99.555, whatever percentage you want to say. Most of us have just a little tiny limited control space. And so I would say first, you got to normalize what's coming up and acknowledge it kindly. Yeah. And the second thing you have to do is focus on what is in your control because there are so much going on internally that isn't in your control. 
And if the, if the whole goal was to stop feeling thoughts and feelings, that just, you're just never going to reach that goal. That's not an attainable goal. And that's not an important goal for emotional hygiene. Emotional hygiene says that this stuff is here. This stuff exists and we got to figure out how to make space for it. Emotional hygiene isn't, um, I got to take it off like it's rubber gloves and burn it in my backyard. Like these thoughts and feelings are here and you have to figure out how to make a little bit of space for them. So I shouldn't be trying to get rid of the bad feelings because some people think, oh, I have a problem. I need a therapist. Let's get rid of these bad feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's, it's a good, it's a good like intention, but it's um, inherently struggle-based. Yeah. And the problem with struggle-based is that it's an endless struggle. There is no number of positive thoughts that is suddenly going to stop the negative thoughts because our brain is so smart and so creative <laughs> that it's going to come up with more things to worry about. And, <laughs> and, and really the best thing you can do rather than trying to just logic something into a controlled space is to say, that's a thought and a feeling that's come up and I'm going to make a little space for it. Of course, I'm worried about that. Of course, this is something that's hard. Oh, that's a new one. Can't believe I brought up that horrible, embarrassing memory from college. Wow. <laughs> well, how? give me give me like a, a an example. Let's just give an example of how. Yeah. Yeah. How we could combat uh, some of these negative feelings. So so in terms of acknowledging and focusing on what, on what you control, we'll start with that. Yeah. A couple of days ago, I woke up and I was just in a weird space. And I knew that I wasn't grounded. I had some sessions coming up and I knew that I, I was stressed about, there was a particular problem going on. So I went outside and I actually did a couple of tips down, which I'm going to talk about this. I went and I grounded myself. I sat myself in my grass, literally on the ground to feel grounded because um, being outside is such an important part of my emotional hygiene. Yeah. And I um, took some breaths and I felt and acknowledged what was coming up for me. I'm stressed because of this. I said it out loud, even to my husband, to, like it felt like even a, a, a bigger, more powerful way to acknowledge it. I'm really having a hard morning because I'm really worried about this. I noticed that I'm having these kind of thoughts about this. So I didn't just say, I'm angry. I started to notice it. I notice I'm angry or I notice I'm stressed. I went outside. I acknowledged my feelings. I found them in my body and um, just took some deep breaths. And, you know, uh, what, I, what my brain wanted to do was kick it into overdrive. Like I could manage myself out of it. Here, we need to think of these 10 things that we're going to come up with that are going to manage this problem. We need to, um, you need to turn, you need to get on your phone right now and just stop thinking about this. Like it's either I need to busy it away or I need to avoid it. Right. So the opposite was sitting down, taking a breath, facing it for a minute, holding it and acknowledging it kindly and grounding myself. And that's when I had to make space for it because, um, we can't stop these feelings from arising. You can't stop this stuff from coming up and legitimately you would be a strange human if you are not experiencing some change in emotional health. So to break it down a little bit more, um, what does it feel like when we take something that comes up 
and we get to the place where we're no longer sort of hooked in by it. And what it takes is it really takes being able to observe yourself playfully. It takes being able to be present with yourself and to be really present in your body. And I feel like the body is one of the most important parts of emotional hygiene. Um, and you would think, oh, it's going to be physical hygiene because we're talking about the body. But no, like your, your body is experiencing trauma every time you read the news. Your body is experiencing trauma every time you see people get uppity during this time at each other and snipping at each other. You're saying physically. Yes. Your body's experiencing Your nervous system it. is responding to this emotional time. It's responding with heightened states of arousal to um to manage it to manage this stuff but the problem is this isn't like a one hour problem this is a chronic problem that's going to go on has been going on and will continue going on so your body becomes exhausted and your your nervous state your your nerves there's the polyvagal nerves and what happens is you've got um you've got your nerves that are sending out signals to fight or flight or freeze flop or drop okay you've read this piece of news or you've read this piece about this doctor that said that thing and this person said this thing and oh it's big and your whole body reacts right and and your body reacts because you had a thought you had emotion and with eight seconds it's in your body and your body's feeling it so one of the biggest way to manage your emotions is to get in your body emotionally and to take a breath and to be mindful of your own body. So you, you breathe. One, There's a couple ways of doing that. One of them is through your breath to take deep conscious breaths. Another way would be to do the, the, like the five senses thing, like what's five things I can see, what's four things I can touch, what's three things I can hear, what's something I can taste, what's something I can, you know, you go through all of your senses and you take one big breath and say, I'm okay. And the point of all of that is that our bodies are kind of like super hypercharged for the hard parts. Like you get in the grocery store and people are giving you weird looks. Your yeah. body is reacting to this, whether or not you think it is or not. And so you have to consciously take a deep breath in the grocery store. You have to consciously be grounded to what does the cart sound like? Not because you're having a panic attack, but because your body is sensing threats through other people's reactions to you or through whatever you're experiencing. So emotional hygiene physically means calming your body down. And that may mean exercise. That may mean, you know, checking in with all of your senses. That may mean going outside and sitting in the grass. That may mean doing a mindful meditation because your body relaxes when your mind is relaxed. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's, you always have to include your body in emotional hygiene. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I wasn't sure if it was unusual that, so let me just tell you what, for some reason, I just get anxious before I go to bed and I have to do push-ups before bed, which is great. This is healthy. Um, yeah. and I, and sometimes I can't even put those emotions to even real thoughts. Sometimes I can when I'm like, oh, I'm stressed about this person that talked to me at work. I'm stressed to this person, you know, this thing I heard on the radio. But sometimes I'm like, I just feel this way. And can you just explain how that fits into all of this? Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't, I live in a community where there was recently a murder. And guess what? 
I didn't sleep the next night. I was on my couch tossing and turning thinking, oh, that poor couple, someone could break into my room. And logically, my therapist head was acknowledging, these are irrational thoughts that are coming up. I'm noticing thoughts of fear. I'm noticing images of intrusion of someone knocking on the door. I'm noticing feelings of terror, right? Sometimes it's so easy to tell. Other times it's just kind of the daily wear and tear. And honestly, those are like the more like those are the more skilled ones, right? Right before you go to bed, if you're noticing this come up, I want you to go, oh, opportunity for skill. Interesting. What, what's going on? And sometimes it's easy to identify and sometimes it's not. If yeah. you can identify it, just observing that it's occurring is still mindfulness. Wow, I'm having this sense of unease. I'm not even sure what's it about, but I notice I feel adrenaline. I feel like I can't calm down. So I'm going to do often. Yeah, often um, one of my very favorite ones is uh, for for that feeling of adrenaline is taking all of your muscles and clenching them at once while holding your breath for 10 seconds. Did we do that together last time? No, no. Oh my gosh, this is my favorite one. Okay, good. Um, well, let, let's try it, huh? Yeah, I do this before. Um, like I'm going to speak in front of, I should have done it before this. I need it. <laughs> um, I do this all the time. So what you do. Okay. Follow along with me. So, um, okay. breathe in and breathe out and I'll tell you when we do that. And when we breathe in, um, I'll coach you. We take a big breath in and then we hold it. And at the same time, we're going to be clenching our fists. We're going to be squeezing our knees together. Like there's a penny in them. We're going to be, um, upturning our toes to the ceiling. And so we're like, got our calves going. Okay. I'm sitting in a chair. Is this working or is this better? Like, you know, sitting on the ground or in any position I have literally done this in an interview waiting room when everybody could see me. And I was just like super subtle, you know, like crossing my legs and like, <laughs> just like you're looking to just flex as many muscles as possible, right? Okay, and you, let's invite yeah. listeners to to, to, do to do this as well. I, I, I'm following you. So even your face can react. You're just thinking all of the muscles are, and we're gonna hold for 10 seconds. At the end of 10 seconds, big release. And I want you to feel, I, when I'm working with kids, I call it raw spaghetti, cooked spaghetti because it's, you know, spaghetti is straight and stiff. And then at the end, it's a gooey noodle. So we kind of practice being gooey noodle. And I purposely chose a playful image because being playful is good emotional hygiene. It's the opposite of getting stuck in sticky thoughts. It's the opposite of being reactive, right? Yeah. So, all right, let's try it out. So yeah, let's go. a big breath in, and then we're going to take a big exhale out. All right, get ready. Breathe in. And hold. Two. Three. Flexing all the muscles you can think of. Four. Five. Six. Your shoulders. Seven. Nine. Ten. Relax. Let it loose. Feel the big difference. Take two big breaths on your own. One more big breath. As we exhale, we're going to get ready to do it one more time. I like to do them in a row. It helps me really chill. Ready? Inhale. Prepare. Clench stomachs. Fist. Knees. Toes. Caps. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Release. Let yourself relax. Really enjoy. Feel that. 
I always feel it the most in my arms. Hey, that's great. Yeah, I feel I feel stress in my my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, I'm I, I'm getting kind of what I was explaining before, and and that definitely release things. And it, it's also funny you how do that works because it kind of really works those yes, muscles. Yes, it works the chest. I and um and so and and I've kind of thought in the past that like. What what is the difference between a good coping mechanism and a bad coping mechanism? Because, like me doing push-ups, Great question. how is that different than me? I don't know doing something unhealthy. Like why why is why is that healthy? And if I'm just trying to get my mind off of something, so help me navigate that. It's usually not what it is. It's it's why you're doing it and how long you're doing it for, and if it's really helping. For instance, if you're watching Netflix and you got to the continue watching screen, yeah. you are no longer de-stressing. You are avoiding, right? <laughs> and um, exercise. Wait, so I, and I, when Netflix got brought up last time, so is, is there... It's my personal habit. <laughs> <laughs> so is Netflix... Is, what part of that would be healthy and what part of that would be unhealthy? Or is it just kind of... Mostly unhealthy. Tell me. It's not what it is. It's why you're using it. So for instance, exercise. um, I have several patients that use exercise in a very unhealthy way. They use it to manage their anxiety of being imperfect. Right. Um, They use it as a busyness thing or as an avoidance thing. The thing that happens when and, and you're, you're, you're using some of these things, like for instance, um, you're maybe uh, eating more than normal, turning to sweets more than normal, um, watching TV more than normal, escaping into books more than normal, um, struggling with sleep, uh, substance abuse is up, right? Um, Fighting is even a coping skill. I mean, just anything that you enjoy can also be something that you're turning to because you want to avoid it, avoid the real feeling, or you want to get busy and, quote, manage or bully that feeling into, you know, being docile again or whatever. Yes, I, I could relate to that. Like, okay, I'm I'm having a rough day. Let's just go to work. Let's just do, let's just hit it hard. And that's how I'll cope with it. And honestly, that's not the worst coping skill, right? Just go to work. That's not that's not the worst coping skill. Um, so it's not like obviously there are coping skills that like there they become problems because they start to affect your life and your work and your free time. And I would say um, it's not a coping skill anymore if you're using it to avoid your real feelings and if you're using it to just be busy. Got and it. and yeah, so I mean, most things are are great in small amounts. So you mentioned a few times about being playful with your thoughts. We talked a little bit about that last time. Can we can we go into that a little bit? Well, the idea behind uh, being playful isn't that you're actually trying to make yourself uh, like laugh. It's trying to get your brain into a place that's creative. And this super interesting thing happens when instead of saying, why me? You say, this is really hard. What should I do about it? I wonder what I could do about it. Your brain lights up. It wants to, it wants to solve this problem creatively. It, it wants to work, but it sometimes gets working on the rumination and the chewing of the old 
thoughts and feelings rather than like the the interesting creative possibilities. And so what we're really trying to get is flexible thinking. Okay, give me an example. I was um, I was doing a project at Home Depot last weekend. And that's always a great time for rigid thinking, right? When you're getting <sighs> you're getting into a home project, it's absolutely the worst experience. <laughs> Every time you mess something up, you're like, I knew it would happen. <laughs> and I noticed these girls on the curb and they had signs and I was like, oh, sad, coronavirus, it's taking everybody's livelihood. And then I noticed they were actually like really sweet signs, like I would hug you if I could. And, oh. and I was like, oh, so touched. And, and it just flipped me from, um, where I would have gone if I had, if they had actually said like sad things where I would have gone with my thoughts. I know that would have been rigid. Life is so hard right now. See, I can't do my stupid project. And people are starving on the streets, holding signs. And instead, <laughs> it, it quickly flipped me into this. It was playful, right? Cause it was absurd to, to, they even chose cardboard. I'm like, you don't have to use cardboard signs. I'm like, why do homeless people use cardboard signs? It's easy to read paper, but they insist to use cardboard signs because it's yeah. a simple need, right? So they use this, they use the symbol of need and they flipped it on his head. And I found myself as I was driving home saying, you know what? I will, I will go on because even if I was naked dragging myself through a desert, I know I would go on because I would. And I quickly was able to get into that, um, to that flexible thinking place where I was able to, you know, connect with my values, which is, you know, I, I'm actually pretty resilient. I'm tenacious. And I was able to just commit to, you know, I'm going to keep doing my actions and I'm going to keep finishing my project and gosh darn it, I'm going to get to the other side of this virus. And I, I think um, it can happen in a thousand ways. So I could point out, I could point out many ways, but the most important element is this. So what could I do about it? So I wonder, so maybe, so that's interesting. So I'm curious about that. That's what it sounds like when your brain goes from rigid to flexible and, and to be even more playful therapists, we, we often make it something that you're playing with, like literally in your head, like, Oh, we'll take that a feeling and make it a color and make it an emotion. And what does the picture look like? And how would you add emoticons to it? And we literally make people get playful with their thought and their feeling. And I love doing that. Yeah. But, can we uh, try that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. Okay. Um, so I want you to find a thought that you've been particularly, um, sticky with sticky, hooky, rigid, that kind of thing. All right. I want you, we're going to practice getting playful with it. And this is just the beginning part, right? So first I like to notice what the urge is, what the organic urge is. Do you feel like going to bed? Do you feel like eating? Do you feel like checking out, numbing out? Do you feel like going to clean something? Like what's the urge that comes up, right? When, when I was thinking this last week, I was rage cleaning my dishes, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's rage cleaning my dishes. That, that's a great thing for your husband and family, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so noticing my urge and just to be aware of it. Right. If you give into an urge, you can give in mindfully. But in this case, we're going to purposely just say, oh, normally I would go and you know, open my phone, just check for messages, see if I could get lost within 30 seconds. That's probably what I would do. Yeah. So you notice the urge, but instead what I want you to do is close your eyes and I want you to find this thought or this feeling and I want you to picture it like it's a on a screen in front of you at a movie theater. And I want you to find 
the worst 10 seconds of it and play it on a loop and say, okay, when you've done that. Okay. And then I want you to play it backwards. Okay. Then I want you to freeze frame on the most awkward part. Like almost funny. All right. Okay. Flip it upside down. Yeah. Now I need you to add a theme song that does not fit the emotional content of this image. Okay, I've thought of it. What is it? <laughs> I don't know why, but like the old Verizon ringtone, ding, 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 it did not fit the situation at all. <laughs> this is a good one. The last time I did this, which was last week, my song was um, from the Golden Girls, the Golden Girls theme song. It's like, this. <sighs> just a great song. Such an uplifting song, honestly. So that's just perfect. Okay. Okay, that worked. I could... Um, I could ask you a thousand creative questions like that, right? Like now yeah. change the color, now print it off, now tear it into pieces, now put it back together and make it look sillier. You know, like <laughs> the, the whole point being like deliberately being playful. And now I could say about that problem, what is it that you think is the right thing? Even though you have those thoughts and feelings, because we can't control what's going on. We can't control coronavirus. We can't control our thoughts and feelings. The only thing we can control is this question. Even though I have these thoughts and feelings that I have very limited control over, what do I want to do about it? What do I think is the right thing to do? And committing to that, that's very freeing. That's emotional hygiene. That's, that's I cared for myself. I noticed it. I acknowledged it. I didn't avoid it. I didn't get busy. I noticed it. And I held it, and then I was able to say, even though, what do I do? What's right? And you check in with yourself, and you and 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 you check in with your purpose, and you go to it with that action. I mean, you're getting worried about coronavirus. You say, what's the most? What's what can I do for myself, my family, my community? What can I do that matters right now? And engage in it. And that's going to be. A, you know, I've seen so many people do that in so many positive ways. That's going to be a helpful thing. Carrie Dyer is a therapist. I, I feel like I've been on a teletherapy session, so I really appreciate it, Carrie. And this has been fantastic, and uh, and I feel emotionally hygienic. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I love, I love coming on here. Thanks for having me. That was Carrie Dyer talking about how we can have better emotional hygiene in this pandemic. Now I want to feature some other voices that have creatively navigated things in this pandemic. First, we'll hear from our first of five songs that will be played in this podcast season as I ask people to submit their COVID-themed songs to be played on the podcast. Then we'll hear from Skylar Bennett with the startup Tough Apparel. So let's play a little clip from Becky Burr and the Bluegrass Boys featuring Becky Burr, Paul Soderquist, and myself. I like this pandemic song because it's actually a love song. And it might sound a little bit like a Peter, Paul, and Mary song that you've heard before. So anyway, here's Six Feet Away.
Joining me now is Skylar Bennett, co-founder of Tough Apparel. Skylar, welcome. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited to be here. Okay, now I'm going to have you do what I expect all startup co-founders to do. Give me an elevator pitch about Tough Apparel. Just one minute. Here we go. Go. Let me start by saying normal men's apparel sucks. <laughs> it's awful. It's not designed for uh, real life situations and ties are, are one of the worst uh, accessories that men wear that are just outdated and awful and fragile and delicate and they're just not designed to stand up to normal life. So three years ago, that's where we started with a total redesign of the necktie. We made ours totally machine washable instead of dry clean. Uh, they have a special stitch to hold them together. They have microfiber on the back to clean your glasses, your phone screen. And we finished it with a liquid repellent material. So these things are basically bulletproof. And then we kind of expanded from there. We said, hey, what else can we add? We added uh, dope ratchet belts that fit perfect. We added really fun, comfortable printed socks. Um, and now we're working on button ups and a, a whole apparel line that's designed to be insanely durable and give the user the confidence to go out and conquer life. Wow. Yeah. So I could just roll around in the dirt and I've seen you guys roll around the dirt in these <laughs> things. You, you guys are proud of that. So that. now, now while many businesses are downsizing during this pandemic <laughs> and kind of having a rough time, your business is taking a step up. So there's been some big news this week. Tell me what that is. Yeah, man. Crazy enough. We are airing on Shark Tank this week. Yeah, it's insane. That's congrats. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank so so tell me tell me about that journey just real quick. So dude, it it is a journey for sure. It's been over two years in the works. Um, we got cut the first time we applied a couple of years ago, and then we reapplied last year and went through a rigorous application process, just insane paperwork <laughs> and uh, submissions and legal crap. And finally, we got the green light to go and film, and we did that, and we got to pitch the sharks, and now we. Uh, now we get to air on TV. Um, so, so one more thing. So, I actually bought one of your products. It wasn't one. It wasn't a tie. It wasn't a belt. I actually bought one of your specialty face masks, and <laughs> it, it. And I, I had to because I kind of envisioned this before I saw it. I bought the Darth Vader face mask. Yes. And uh, you know, and I'm wearing face masks to work and stuff like that. So, and I'm pretty excited about that. Now, tell me, you're doing an initiative where you buy one and give one. Just tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, so we've, just like most small businesses, we had to pivot, right? When, yeah. when COVID-19 hit, it's like, dude, you gotta, you got to figure it out. you got to pivot. But every, every decision we make, we want to make sure we're adding value to the customer, to the community. We didn't want to just try to benefit from this disaster because we didn't feel good about that. So we decided that for every face mask, uh, we sell online, we make and donate one uh, to a local partner that distributes those to the elderly uh, here locally. Oh, that's great. Well, it, it's great to see people uh, pivot during the pandemic, making the best of a situation. And now uh, you're going to be on Shark Tank. It's great that we could at least watch something of, 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 of businesses doing great things. Yeah, it'll be entertaining. Well, Skylar Bennett, thanks for uh, joining us shortly and all the best on your shark take adventures. I can't wait to see what the sharks say. <laughs> thanks, Sean. I appreciate it, man. It's going to be an adventure. Skylar Bennett and I recorded that short elevator pitch interview just a few days before Tough Apparel aired on Shark Tank on May 8th, 2020. 
If you want to buy a Darth Vader mask like I did, or a Boltproof tie, just visit their website, toughapparel.com, and I'm putting that link in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link for the video of Six Feet Apart, if you want to see the quadruple split screen of us playing this song. And thanks for listening. Join us next week as we talk to neuroscientist Jason Shepard about how we reconcile the COVID-19 scientific studies that sometimes appear to be all over the place. Science is not magic. You have to get to the truth or the answer through um, trial and error in some ways. Um, we, 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 like, we don't like the word error. You know, we like trial and get it right the first time. You know? That's right. <laughs> and, and so for good or bad, what people are seeing now is, is science in action in real, in real time. More science and Corona songs in our next episode. See you next week. If you reach out for my-